Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to languages for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks of Nilothotep in the Egypt chapter. And so we're going to go directly into introductions tonight. So to my right. This is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and uh, I have some places to go to. Fantastic. I can't wait to hear. Uh, and to Miss O'Shea's right. Hi, this is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and I have no idea what I'm doing right now, other than packing. Okay, you're packing. At the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle. And uh, I find myself in the opposition of preventing a heist for once. It's fascinating how the uh, tables, they do turn to Jack's right. Uh, this is Lonnie, and I am playing Adelzar. And um, yeah, I'm a man of great persuasion. As we saw last, <laughs> last episode, yes. Uh, to don't, don't ever right. talk again. I'm just waiting for the point when you burn this place down. All right. It's coming. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tuttenbach, who is taking a weather eye to make sure there's no trouble on the horizon. Fantastic. And last but most certainly not least. This is Alex. I'll be playing saint Baron, and uh, there may be opportunities for some big game hunting with Jack Doyle. You have no idea how right you are. And so we'll begin the episode tonight. At the safe house, or what we still believe is a safe house. Miss O'Shea, you have spent most of the day delved into a book looking at some very specific text. Trying to ascertain some clarity, get some clarity on ex exactly what, uh, what this whole thing might be about. And you feel something on your leg. It's warm. It's moving up it. Uh, I'll, I'll look down. There is a very thin snake moving up your leg. Um, I will, um, pick it up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, look at it. It looks at you. It, uh, curls around your wrist and then your fingers. It's probably a meter or so long. It's thin, but it's definitely an adult. Well, I will um, definitely uh, take that as a sign and uh, do my uh, devotional. And I was going to ask him for guidance anyways, mm. uh, because I want to head out to some bars to hear some singing, maybe track down these uh, speakers of the Nile. All right. I'll take my new friend with me. Yeah. It uh, wraps right around your arm 
and it moves up to your bicep and kind of tucks itself in there next to a fairly reasonable heat source and just relaxes. During your devotional, you become overcome with a series of images. It's the desert at night. It's far away from Cairo. You see a series of sand dunes and you're walking on these dunes barefoot just wearing the simplest of nightgown. And as the Egyptian moon begins to grow higher and higher into the sky, the wind picks up. And as it does, it blows the sand from left to right. And in the valley there that you're standing over, the slightest of stone monoliths begins to reveal itself. And the wind blows further and harder until you see a very prominent serpent symbol on the top of this obelisk. And you feel like you're being called home. You wake up. Well, we need to get the hell out of Cairo so I can go find that too. Gotta make this quick work of this. Doctor, you have spent probably the past few hours looking into a very, well, unfortunate story. The uh, Dutch archaeologist that was among the Clive expedition was rumored and then confirmed to be fired by them. It seems for negligence. Is does it say which university he worked at previously? It does not. Well, one way to find out. Do I happen to know offhand which university in town would probably have the biggest archaeology department? University of Egypt. I don't know if that's a thing, or I don't know what the name of the school would be. Well, there are uh, universities here, but you are fairly certain that if he's been fired from a very prominent dig, it might not be as easy to get a hold of him there. Hmm. No, but I'm wondering if there's a bar nearby that he probably frequents. So I'm looking for a a bar near to a university. Hmm. So I'm going to go over by the university proper, Hmm. like the campus proper. Maybe take a constitutional over there. And... Bring some cash. Fair enough. You hunt around for a little while. The uh, university is filled. University grounds here is filled with students. I ask a student or two if they have heard of heard of him. Do I have a name for him, by the you way? You do, absolutely. Uh, his name is Jan Willem van Uvelen. He is definitely Dutch. I'll say. All right. So let's, um, yeah, he, doctor is going to ask if he, if they've heard of him, if they had taken any of his classes, if they knew if he was still around. Doctor's probably fairly, we'll say liberal with the money splitting and spending. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you do get a couple of folks around the universe that talk that uh, the uh, that uh, Hugh Vellen is a bit of a drinker, mm. and that he used to have a place here in the University Block District, but uh, well, after he lost his job, he hasn't been able to pay rent, and so they think he's over in the streets of Moss area, and they let you know it's a fairly poor area of town. All right. I uh, I definitely give them a buck or two. Being college students, I'm sure they're not going to frown on that. Oh, no, absolutely not. They take your money. Well, I, um, all right, well, I catch a cab over to the street of Mo- uh, streets of Moss. You uh, get over to the street there and then do a little looking around. Um, luckily for you, looking for a Dutchman, which should fairly well stick out here. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's probably going to blend in very well. I look around for, when I arrive on the street, um, Doc looks around for a, not a bar so much as a, the closest approximation to a European pub around here. <laughs> All right, why don't you, um, tell you what, Doc, why don't you give me a luck roll? Okie dokie. That's a 74 over 20. Okay. So, so not as much as I would like, No. No. Not as much as you would like. Uh, you stumble a bit around until you probably get a few looks from the locals. Doc plays up the bumbling tourist every bit, and mm-hmm. it's not hard. I, oh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I do not speak the language. I apologize. Of course, he does what every person does when they're speaking to someone who has no idea what they're saying. He speaks sure. louder. Oh, yeah, because that'll totally work. It does. It, it clears up all of the communication errors. So, But Doc is making no effort to blend in. Um, he is, of course, not... He is watching. Doc is pretty perceptive, so he is watching his surroundings for, you know, anything hinky going on. Hinky, you say? Yeah, like getting backed into an alleyway by thugs or anything like that. He's trying to stay fairly crowded areas or at least you know if not crowded some people and uh, he is keeping a a weather eye on those around him you back yourself um, not so much into a corner but into a one of these smaller shop rows where there's a little you wouldn't even call it a grocer but it's more like a grocer in a restaurant there's a tailor there there's a general goods it looks like and then just some apartments flops basically why don't you give me a spot hidden roll 60 under 80 yes please mm-hmm. doctor you hear a noise from above you and when you look up you see that there's a there's some sort of tobacco smoke coming out of one of these rooms up there and it doesn't smell like any of the hash or things that they smoke here. It smells different. It's got that bitter European smell. Yeah. Uh, A smell you know pretty well. Ah, uh, yes. It smells like uh, my father's parlor back home. I holler up in to, in that direction. 
Uh, <clears throat> pardon me? See a tall man poke his head outside the window? Yes? Uh, von Huvelin? Uh, yeah. You see his uh, kind of oversized head, beard, spectacles. He looks a little red-eyed. Guten Tag. Uh, my name is Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach. Do, do, do you mind if I ask you a question or two? Perhaps uh, one of these local cafes or bars? Hmm. Mm, you're welcome to come up. Wunderbar. It will take me a moment. Kind of taps his leg with the cane. You head up slowly but surely uh, through a stairway near the tailor shop here and end up on the second floor where this is a little more than a studio apartment. There's a space for a bed and a wash basin, the window. There's a small table, which he has um, what look like... Um, you're not sure if they're flavored cigarettes or they're European cigarettes. You're not sure. They have definitely an odor to them. You also see that there's five or six bottles in here that are empty. Wow. So is there going to be enough room on the couch between me him, his liver and him <laughs> to all sit? You're not quite sure, actually. Doc examines the surroundings and does not outwardly does his best to not outwardly pass judgment on a man who's obviously seen hard times. Yeah, you notice there's a couple of books on archaeology here. Most of it's Egyptian. I find it, I must confess, to be a little dry. Doc sits down. I was wondering if I might. And I do not wish to, as they say, pry open old wounds. But I was wondering if I might ask you some questions about your most recent dig. Uh, most recent... It has been some time. Well, perhaps it's not the best choice of words. You understand. Um, I'm probably better than most, but uh, an incomplete grasp of English can do. You see a cat slink into the room. Doc kind of leans over a little bit and does the, you know, pst, pst, pst fingers. The Dutchman beside you picks up a spoon and just errantly tosses it towards the cat. Not as if he's trying to hit it necessarily, uh, but if he is, he's got terrible aim. You see the cat bound out of the room. They're all over the place. You have more cats than you know what to do with, yeah? They're not mine. They're just everywhere. Interesting. Perhaps there's something in areas that they like. What, um... So tell me, um, from your point of view, I am hearing a lot from everyone else, but I am not hearing a lot from what is happening from you. And I think that is what I wanted to hear the most. I worked for the Clyde Expedition when they arrived here in Cairo. I stayed with them during their work at Giza. I, I remember hearing the doctor's voice, how excited he got when we found this Unidentified mummy. And it's unidentified. This is unusual. They are usually buried with markings, yeah? Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He nods rapidly. 
Oh, my head. Dark, uh, oh, hang, hang on. Um, Darkfish is in his bag and pulls out some of his own, you know, homemade hangover remedy. Sure. Machine grease. Yep. <laughs> pours, uh, <laughs> pours a shot for John William. Yeah, this this will help. Oh, okay. how did you say a uh, dunk? Yes, dunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and he eagerly takes it. Yeah, this will whip the. Uh, this will wash the taste out. And he pours them both a shot out of a small, you know, flask that, of course, I'm sure the doc keeps on him as, at all time. Yeah, he takes the first one with, and and tries to keep it down. He does so successfully, and you see the. Um, you can tell that his face is bloated from alcoholism. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's uh, probably uh, two hours into the shakes right now. Oh, yeah. He says, uh, it just, it just disappeared. It, the unmarked mummy, you say, it just disappeared? Indeed. Indeed. It just simply disappeared. Now, do you mean... It was there one day and not there the next? Or do you mean it literally vanished in front of you? And do not think that I am mocking you, good sir. It is just that I have seen many things at this world that I have yet to put an explanation to. And I like to be as specific as possible, you understand? No, I, I, I did not see it disappear. I was working the dig that day when we found it. I helped bring it up, and Dr. Clive, he he was eager to inspect it. Did Dr. Clive, did he say or do anything beyond his excitement that seemed irrational or out of character? He was concerned about the scrolls that were found with the mummy. I assume the scrolls vanished. At the same time, I saw them found with the mummy. But when he fired me, he said that the, the scrolls had disappeared, that they were the ones that uh, that were near the body were now useless. Before they picked up for and left for Memphis, he told me that I was to not come anywhere near the dig site after that. It is odd that he would say that it was only you that could not return. Hmm. Especially if it is seeming to me that you might be the only person who could point out a fake. No, no, there were many members of the dig team that uh, were quite apt in uh, the reading of hieroglyphics and, uh, well, ancient Egyptian. And these were were there references to the Black Pharaoh? Hmm? He looks at you strange. The Black Pharaoh... No, uh, no, no, the, the, the mummy, I believe it was this woman, Nitokris. Yes. I'm sorry, I meant the hieroglyphics. I, I was thinking of something else. I apologize. Go on. Joanna, she told me about Nitokris. She's very sharp. He, uh, reaches down and pulls one of the books out. And Agatha, Agatha Broadmoor, an older woman, but very intelligent and very well learned. Do you know where I might speak to them? 
Hmm. Of course. Uh, Dr. Clive is continuing his dig. You could go there. Hmm. Although, I would be worried if you brought my name up. Well, who I keep in my company, good sir, is mine business and mine alone. Doc kind of pats his hand, you know, uh, in kind of a, you know, friendly manner. Sure. And you needn't worry about that. Well, I am glad for that. But yes, the, uh, the expedition has moved. It is at Memphis now. Memphis. Hmm. I have heard, um, not much, but some interesting things from the area. Indeed. Doc stands up. I thank you very much for your time, sir. You should have been most kind. He nods slowly. I am just going to rest here. I probably don't need a medicine roll, but this guy is probably well on his way to drinking himself to death, isn't he? Yes, I mean, alcoholism and that sort of um, series of physical maladies are pretty known to you right doc uh, nods to him i will let myself out and again thank you for your time indeed now miss o'shea you were planning on moving to a cafe maybe yeah i was uh i thought we had previously like either walked by or seen um the jazz club absolutely you've been to um emma deldine street actually your guide, Otto, took you there. So you would know where the jazz clubs are. Okay. Yeah, I would, uh, I wanted to go see if I can set up um, a time for me to sing there. What you find likely in most of the jazz clubs is that they are run outside of the theater district and those that basically theater operators who work together. So you, you have to work a little bit to try to find a place that will take just a solo singer who walks through the door. Um, it's not impossible, right? It just takes you a little while. Well, and I wanted to make sure to introduce myself so if they read the paper, they would know who I am. If Certainly. what Otto said is true. Go ahead and make me a credit rating roll. Nope, that's an 83 over 30. So you struggle for probably the first hour to find a place to find a home at, right? And it's not because they don't believe you can sing. It's mostly because most of the jazz acts here are booked in. And there's an awful lot of competition. But if you're going to be persistent, then you do eventually find a club that's willing to let you sing. But they'd like to hear what you sound like first. And then they want to... They want to know if you can sing any of the traditional Arabic songs that the people who attend the club will want to hear. Well, I cannot sing any Arabic songs. Not that I'm not willing to learn. There are probably singers there who are happy to teach you how those numbers go. And you have a pretty apt musical ear. So not to mention that you're a quick learner. So if you spend a little time that day listening to them go through the songs I can give you a singing role at a hard difficulty to pick up some of that music let's see it's a 48 out of 68 so it's a success it's not a hard success it would have to be maybe 14 points of luck yeah no okay 
So you hang out for several hours. You hum along with some of the tunes. You meet a couple of really nice musicians, Egyptian musicians. You meet a group of theatrical actors and actresses who teach you what they know. Uh, You just, Arabic is a difficult tongue. Mm -hmm. And you find that out (laughs) fairly quickly. But you do make some progress. You're just not sure if you would be ready to go on stage. Okay. Well, then I guess I will thank them for their time. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll try again another day. And then I guess go out into the streets and see if I can hear any other kinds of singing. Mm -hmm. Like, because the information that I found about the... uh, the speakers of the Nile is that they do song. So, you know, I'm trying to find any lead I can on them, basically. Okay, that's fair. And my last ditch effort will to go see Dr. Kafour and ask him about it. You head out into Cairo and you pass by some buildings you've seen before and you continue to walk west until eventually you arrive at the Nile and you watch the Nile in its very calm and even state for a little while and all you do is close your eyes and listen because you're listening for a song and there are a great many people that work along the Nile including Many women who wash their clothes, who prepare all manner of boats or fishing. And you get this general rhythm and hum from the people working. There is a tune there. There is something that they're singing. It's difficult to pick out. But it almost reminds you of like a worker's song. You begin to get that same feeling that you heard in the tent with Nuri. This ambient buzzing tune. And then you feel your arms squirm. I'll look down. The snake that spent the better part of the day coiled up under your arm is now uncoiling and moving down your forearm. I'll uh, put it down on the ground. It goes back up the street and stops not too far from a well-dressed man who is watching you. I will uh, approach this man. He gives you a, a bow. Good evening. He looks up at the afternoon sun. Indeed. It nearly is. I bring a message from, from your sister. Oh, yes? She is seeking you. And where is she? He withdraws a parchment note from his pocket of the suit and passes it over to you. I will take it and look at it. She can be found there. How far is that from where I'm at? It's hard to tell. You're not native to the city. Um, You're not necessarily certain where this is. Can I ask for directions? Of course. I would be happy to direct you there myself. Please. 
I would appreciate it. He begins walking. So, Miss Lane, how are you feeling the rest of your afternoon? Well, after what Otto said about needing to find other um, accommodations, I had been doing some packing and stuff, but honestly, with everybody out of the house, I've just... I've had this, I don't know, nagging feeling that I've been... I just feel a little lost lately about where I fit in with everybody. Maeve's got her magic and other things. Doctor's the doctor. Jack kicks ass. I didn't, you know, Sam likes to kill cows. And Otto is, you know, our, our lovely guide. So it's just kind of like, you know, I am I offering anything to the party? So I was kind of wondering, obviously not under not knowing the layout of Cairo. Do they have an art museum? Certainly. Or a cultural museum? Certainly. The Cairo Museum is one that would probably spring to mind. Oh, it's not. It's like an all-in-one? The one that Jack and Maeve were at um, last night? Well, I mean, it's one of, yes. Okay. There are likely maybe collections of art that um, you might be more used to, but those are more likely private collections. Right, right. I'm, I'm just looking for something to do to maybe inspire me with the... To, to find some way to help their investigation with the group. Um, maybe do something that's isn't going to put me in immediate danger, hopefully. Certainly. Give me an intelligence roll, Miss Lane. An 88 out of 75. Um, you could, if you would like to, push that roll. You're trying to think back into your memory banks of how to be useful. So you could either do that or you could spend luck. Up to you. I'll push the roll. I just have felt a little lost since we've gotten to Egypt. It's not normally, it's not somewhere I've been. Mm. Unlike, you know, Europe and say New York. So I just, I'm kind of, I feel like I've lost my way a little bit. You are understandably out of your element. Yes. Do I roll again? You do. Okay. Okay. It's a hard success. 21 out of 75. One of the things that has been difficult about Egypt for you is all of the different and many threads of this investigation. They seem to have gone in a ton of different directions. And as you think about it, something very emotional kind of comes over you. And that is the the death of the shop owner, Najjar. And some of the things that he had mentioned. And you remember him and his tale of acquiring these artifacts for Roger Carlyle. And this name comes up to you and you don't think anyone has really investigated it. And that is this person who contracted him to do that. This Frenchman named Warren Besser. And you think in all of the hubbub and the moving and the safe house and everything else like that that happened afterwards that no one has found this French antiquities agent Warren Bessard or asked him anything he knows I can't imagine I would get in too much trouble just asking a a, a Frenchman some questions I can't imagine that either <laughs> I guess uh, where where should I go to try to, to locate Mr. Mr. Bessard you're a fairly smart individual. And since you've done a lot of work in the artistic field, and especially being a buying agent sometimes for your father, 
you would know that if he is a if he's some sort of agent he'd have to be registered somewhere and you remember Najar saying that he was French and you know that there's a French embassy here in Cairo well I think that is a wonderful place to start very good so not too terribly far from where you're positioned there in the city uh, it probably takes you a good 20 minutes or so to walk or you can get a a ride there for uh, from a hand taxi or something like that in a little bit quicker time uh, you find yourself in front of the French embassy and you are talking <coughs> with one of the agents there who deals with the buying and selling, which is very common and very, uh, very sought after practice here in, uh, in Egypt. And he mentions uh, that... Bessert's address is shown as the Red Door in a place called uh, the Street of Scorpions, which he immediately says to you, don't let the name fool you. They just, they name these things whatever they find. Um, it's near the alley, you know, the the, uh, the Red Alley. Uh, it's uh, another bazaar here, or marketplace. What was the street that we were on where Najar, wa- Najar was? That street of Potters. Okay. Can you... I, I appreciate the information. Can you um, point the direction? Oh, certainly. He reaches and pulls out a map and offers it to you, shows you on the map about where it's at. Oh, do you, do you mind if I take this? Well, I suppose not. Obviously speaking to him in French since... Certainly. I'm, to make him feel more at ease. I wish him well and I head on my way. Go track down Warren Besser. Understood. At the mosque. The afternoon has clawed its way to evening for you at the mosque. And probably about an hour into the preparatories, Dr. Kafour says that he is going to retire to his house. He says that if there is going to be any sort of second attempt on this artifact, as much as he would be willing to stay, it's not his focus in life. That's fair. That's fair. And so if you need me, I will be at the museum. And then he kind of nods to Sam and says, your associate Sam there is familiar with where I stay. Very good. You're going to the museum then? How far was his place from where we are? Mm, it's probably about a 15-minute walk. Okay. Uh, in order for us to make proper preparations here, I'm going to need to retrieve my things from your home. Certainly. I can do that on my own, but uh, I'll need to make sure that I can get in. Oh, yes. It's probably best that I that we collect your things then. Very well. You will not be able to enter the premises without my allowance. Can't imagine that. The other thing was, uh, if we're not going to, and I suppose it's a question for Jack, do we need to involve the others? I feel like there are certain people that we work with that might be very helpful considering the circumstances. Right, but uh, based on this, uh, the location that we're at, I don't know how well that's going to go over. Okay. Dr. Kafour? Uh, there's at least uh, one of our companions, the woman. Uh, Ahmed 
doesn't necessarily look as upset as you might think. I think in certain times we all have a, whether it be man or woman, have a, a duty to what we choose to protect. Yes? She could be a powerful ally. We will leave, uh, prepare ourselves, and be back before sundown. Once the sun is set, the door is closed, Mr. Doyle. Understood. Jack, see if you can grab the others. I'll get my gear and proceed with preparations here. Yes. Be safe. You too. Adel. What do you want to... You want to go with Sam or you want to go with myself? I think it's best I go with you. Okay. So are the two of you returning to the safe house then? Yes. All right. So you run into the doctor there, who is likely returned from his little jaunt with uh, a Dutchman. And that's it. Miss Lane is not there and neither is Miss O'Shea. Do you happen to know where the other two are? I actually, I don't. I just got back myself. Had barely enough time to grab a bite to eat here until you came in. Well, we are, some of us are going to go and uh, defend a artifact from the Brotherhood. You're more than welcome to come along. Uh, I would really like it if Maeve would be able to come and maybe even Lillian, but I don't know if we're at that time. Hmm. Where are you going to be at? Or where are we going to be at? At the, uh, at, what is it? The Mosque of Eden, Katum. It's, um, Eden Tulun. Well, Doc, um, scribbles a note for... Lillian and Maeve and leaves it on the table and grabs his bag. Make sure he has at least a couple rounds for Betty and puts on his hat and is ready to go. Uh, make sure they know if uh, they're not there by sundown, don't bother coming. I uh, write that on there and underline it like four times. All right. Fair uh, enough. I'm going to go get uh, my gun. The Thompson. Oh, all right. So tell me, Mr. Doyle, how are you planning on transporting the Thompson to the mosque? I'm going to go put it in a bag. I'm going to break it down and put it in a bag. Okay. Fair enough. A recently used axe. Okay. So the you spend a little while getting prepared. Uh, Sam... Dr. Kufour opens his house back up and retrieves your bag and then tells you that he will be at the museum should you need him. Thank you again for all your help. Certainly. Good luck. I will haul ass back to the mosque. Okay. Yeah, the uh, mosque begins to slowly clear out. Minus the patience, obviously, as uh, the sun begins to wind its way down closer and closer to the horizon line. And I think that that is a fair spot to end. So thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to a night at the mosque next week. 